is part two of the week 15 preview. It is part the two. part two. One, uh, two. I'm your host, uh, Timmy Trop. Michael's here. Jason's here. We are going to get right into it. No more delaying. It is time. We are here. No more delaying. I am delaying. <laughs> the Broto Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. We got Ocho more games. We are out here preparing you for your semifinal matchups. Um, I say we get right into this. Let's not let's not even waste time. We have eight games. We want to give as much time to them as we can. So let's start with the first one. Jags at Ravens. Um, usually this would be a very un like not very complicated matchup, but things have happened to make this complicated. The first one is that Marquise Brown and um uh what's his the the other wide receiver's name? Come on, come on, come on, come on. What's his name? Miles Boykin. There he is. Both on the COVID list. We do not know if they are actually COVID positive or if they are just close contacts. Um, they were close contacts. They're going to have to test negative every day this week to play. Okay, so we do know that they were close contacts, so hopefully they're okay. Hollywood Brown is coming off a 2-for-50 with a touchdown, so he had a pretty good game. Um, but besides that, I think it's all systems go on the Ravens. You're going to want to start Lamar Jackson against the Jags. You're going to want to start J.K. Dobbins in the, against the Jags. I would even start Gus Edwards. I have Gus Edwards as my running back 26 in my preliminary rankings. And you're definitely starting Mark Andrews, who caught seven balls last week. Um, so how are you guys feeling about this Ravens side where I'm starting everyone, and I would even, if I'm going to start Hollywood Brown, it would be again in this matchup, but with no practice, I'd probably want to stay away. Everyone else, good to go for me. Yeah, let me talk to you, Tim. This is a, the, Ra- the Ravens looking like the Ravens of last year. Lamar Jackson went right back to running the ball, and guess what? When Lamar Jackson runs the ball, his efficiency goes up. This is his best two-game stretch of true values of the entire season. Him throwing less is a good thing for his pass catchers because they're not going to see a lot of targets regardless, so you'd rather them be more efficient targets. And Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown are the only two people you're considering starting anyway. So you'd rather them see five efficient targets than seven piece of shit targets. And that's why they've been a better offense recently. That's why Lamar Jackson is a great play because he's running the ball. Mark Andrews, a top tier tight end. Marquise Brown, for the first time this season, I believe, is a decent flex play. But that is um, get closer to Sunday and maybe ask us about that again, considering if he practices it all this week, what happens with COVID, anything of that sort. And Michael touched on this about the running backs. It's, it's a two-headed backfield now. Mark Ingram played one snap. Justice Hill played half of the third down snaps with Dobbins. It's been Dobbins and Edwards, and I agree that Dobbins is a high-end RB2 with upside, and Edwards is a decent flex play as well. Michael, how are you feeling since we just kind of went through the entire Ravens? Yeah, I agree. Um, It's basically a two-man backfield, so uh, Dobbins and Edwards are both viable options with Dobbins as the preferred option. But as Jason stated, I feel like Hollywood Brown is finally at least – becoming a wide receiver three or flex play as true values basically had him at um anything higher than that is uh, the most of the the vast majority of the fantasy world thought he was gonna be like a top 20 player that was just 
never going to happen, but at least he's starting to get going. The The big play potential is always there, especially with Lamar Jackson using his legs more, so getting teams more uh, more confused uh, defensively. But, yeah, we don't know if he's going to play, unfortunately. I don't want to trust anyone else in that offense. But, yeah, if you have uh, J.K. Dobbins, I'd be very excited about J.K. Dobbins this week because he, uh, he did play the vast majority of snaps. Gus Edwards seemed to get the ball basically every time he was in. But J.K. Dobbins played 62% of snaps, which is very nice to see. Over on the Jaguar side, Gardner Minshew back under center. He'll at least have the players not giving up, I feel like. Uh, DJ Chark and Keelan Cole also become a little more interesting now. Um, how are you guys feeling about the pass-catching options? Again, so very good, obviously, Ravens defense. I, I dislike DJ Chark. Dude, DJ Chark is 20th in wide receiver targets since week six. And he's been useless. And now he's going up, going up against Baltimore. And guess what? Quarterback Gardner Minshew hasn't even enjoyed throwing to DJ Chark much this season. Whenever he's played, it's been Keelan Cole as the main beneficiary. So I'm off of DJ Chark this week. I think if you're going to take a stab on any Jaguars wide receiver, it should be Keelan Cole. And I also think that you could be better off just not playing any of them because it's the Ravens and one of them might catch a touchdown, but it's really a shit like just your needle in a haystack. You are definitely playing James Robinson. He's been proven to be matchup proof at this time. Um, I for bad timing though, bad t- timing for James Robinson yeah. to be uh, mediocre last week. But let me tell you, before you skip over him saying basically you have to start him or whatever. He played 56% of snaps last week. Dari Ungobawale played 31% of snaps. This is the first time since week uh, since week five that he's seeing not workhorse level snap percentages. Maybe it was because they got dominated, so they were like, all right, let's finally give him a rest. But against Baltimore, there's... Maybe they get dominated again. So I do I do think there's a little bit more risk now with James Robinson if him leaving during domination time actually occurs because a lot of his value comes in with down three touchdowns and he scores a touchdown late in the game. This is why you listen to Brodo, man, because of like little gems <laughs> like that. Sometimes I sit here and I'm just like, yo, Michael, you convince me of things. Um, <laughs> thanks. You're a funny guy. I appreciate that. Um, but, I mean, you're... you're Odds are if you have James Robinson, you have to start him anyway. Temper expectations, yeah. maybe. Maybe Tyler Eifert, not relevant with Minshew at quarterback. You're not starting Gardner Minshew against the, the the Ravens. Anything else? No, yeah. I think Jason touched on the receivers. It's all a crapshoot. I, I feel like Cole and Chark are decent flex options, um, but I'd rather not. So that's like the, one of them maybe will have a big game. I feel like Keelan Cole, honestly, has better odds at this point. He's been way more um, trustworthy than than DJ Chark has been. Uh, guys ready to go on to the next game? Yeah. One of the more red um, situations we got going, the Buccaneers at the Falcons. Um, the Buccaneers have been the worst overall defense against the past this season. They've been giving up the second most points to QBs, second most points to wide receivers. But... In the last three weeks, about? we're talking what? about the Buccaneers. I'm sorry, the, the Falcons. The Falcons. Excuse me. Oh, I just got so confused. Everything I just said about the Falcons, not about the Buccaneers. My fault. Okay, much better. Uh, yes, but they have only allowed one QB one performance 
once in the last three games. Taysom Hill was the person to do that. Derek Carr and Justin Herbert, they a, a very hot Derek Carr right now and a very hot Justin Herbert they kept out of the QB1 uh, performance. And they only had one standout performance at wide receiver during that stretch. Michael Thomas went for 100 yards, but he got kept out of the end zone. The Falcons have been a much improving defense with Raheem Morris. They've they've been they've been good against the run all year. So the question is because on paper this looks like Brady's gonna have to throw more. Ronald Jones is out. Um, they're already a good defense against the run. They suck against the pass, but that has not been the case the last three weeks. Uh, it's it's murky because we've seen Tom Brady be not as good as we thought is we think he could be. How are you guys feeling about? this defensive matchup for Tom Brady? Because a lot of people are looking straight at start, starting Tom Brady this week. At first, I'd like to clarify. We're not sure Ronald Jones is out. Yeah. Ronald he's, Jones... he's one of the close contact guys again. Okay, so we're not sure. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he also had, is having surgery on his thumb. Is that not going to keep him out at least one week? His pinky. His pinky. Pinky's not his Okay, fine. But I, I agree with everything you just said, Tim. I understand the Atlanta defense has been very bad overall this season, but they're playing like a different unit under Raheem Morris. And Tom Brady, dude, he's he's just looked terrible, period. Like, the fact that his stat line is 30 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and he's going to reach 4,000 passing yards on the season is it's clouding people's minds. The dude just continues to miss throws. He cannot connect downfield. He missed and Chris Godwin on a wide, wide open, open last week. Wide Rob Kronkowski, open. too, wide open. Missed him downfield. He just, he he's not that downfield thrower anymore, and he's struggling with that. And the Falcons defense has also been getting to the quarterback a lot. And it's just, I don't want to trust Tom Brady with the way he's been going. Even against KC. KC, he finishes the fifth QB, 24 fantasy points. He was dominated defensively through the first two and a half quarters of that game, first three quarters. And then similar to Tua last week, Brady just had a couple touchdowns at the end of the game, which made it seem like a close game when it actually wasn't. And that's why he actually had a decent game. Besides that, yes, he dominated the Carolina Panthers, but guess what? Drew Locke just dominated the Carolina Panthers too. That defense is nowhere near scary. He he was QB 30 against New Orleans, QB 19 against the Rams, QB 20 against Minnesota. I don't see how you could trust Tom Brady. Like his expert consensus ranking as a top 10 quarterback with the fact that he doesn't use his legs at all and you have to bank on three or four touchdowns to reach that level is mind-boggling to me. I was my QB 14, and I don't care if the matchup on paper looks good. I really don't have much interest in Tom Brady this week. Interesting, Jason. That's de- that's definitely against consensus, what Michael just said. Um, how are you feeling about it? I have my quarterback 11. I agree with what Michael said, but do think that he can't just be dismissed because it is Atlanta. And sure, Atlanta has been a little bit better recently, but they still suck. They <laughs> suck really bad. And I'm not just going to ignore Tom Brady because the options behind him, Big Ben against Cincy, Big Ben also is a to-do. Derek Carr against the Chargers, no thanks. Cam Newton can put up four. So I'm not going to ignore Tom Brady. I think he has a quarterback one case. I'm I'm with Jason, I think. Low end, back end QB1. Um I just I just think that against the Falcons in a game that they have to win in division, I think that the Buccaneers get it done. Um, thoughts on Fournette if Ronald Jones doesn't play? I think he's a great play if Ronald Jones doesn't play. If Ronald Jones does play with the bad thumb, 
I'm not sure that I want either Ronald Jones or Fournette because of how good the Falcons defense has been against the running back. Jason, how are you feeling about the, the backfield? Um, I'm going to disagree with you there. Uh, it, it sucks that Ronald Jones is dealing with potentially COVID and also a broken pinky. And we're going to have to wait to hear news about it because Ronald Jones is someone that I do want to start if active. Jason, uh, w- w- with that being said, this is a good time to remind the people to follow us at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter for updates and also for our live stream that we are doing this sun- this Sunday at 11.30 to 12.30 Eastern time, um, giving you all the updates you need going into your playoff matchups. So join us for that and also follow us on Twitter for updates. Jason, continue, bud. Uh, bud, thanks. I call my, ki- yeah, I call my students, I, that's how I call my students, bud, like that. I just it, it comes out sometimes because I'm all like, right, Chief. Yes, I, I'm I'm like one of those old guys that go, Bud, yeah, yeah sweet hot. Right. No, I don't say sweet hot. That's that's super. I'm ready. Sport. <laughs> go ahead. Um, Ronald Jones, top 15 running back three of the last four weeks. If he's active and actually playing, it's not the worst matchup. Um, I'm interested. Uh, this is something we're gonna have to talk more about on Sunday though on the live stream probably. Yeah, for sure. I agree, boss. I agree, boss. <laughs> Let's go over to the Falcons side. Julio Jones listed as week to week with a hamstring issue. Ugh, fucking sucks. You never know when this guy's going to play. Um, and when Matt Ryan, I mean, when Julio doesn't play, Matt Ryan doesn't play. Um, the Bucks were the best matchup for wide receivers in terms of fantasy points the previous five weeks before they shut down Jefferson and Thielen last week. How are you feeling about these pass catching options for the? Um, for the Falcons, I think that, you know, Calvin Ridley is a, is, you know, don't think about it, plan. Yeah. Uh, you start Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones if he's active. Uh, I don't think that's ever really a question, as frustrating as Julio Jones could be. Um, but Russell Gage, he kind of, he was in the conversation early on, really fell out of it, and has really come on again of late. I didn't, I didn't believe in him last week, which was unfortunate because he went five for 82 and scored a touchdown. Um, and now that's three of his last four games as a top 36 option, seven or more targets in each of those games. It seems like he is back into the wide receiver three flex realm here. If Julio Jones is out. And like you said, he, um, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are kind to opposing wide receivers, especially of late, uh, sans the Thielen Jefferson performance last week. I, I think I'd trust gauge as a wide receiver three flex. As long as Julio is out, if he does return, I'm not going to trust that there's enough volume for him in that offense. And same goes for Hayden Hurst at this point, if you're still starting Hayden Hurst. I tweeted about this um, uh, I tweeted about this the other day. Tyler Higby was a bust, period. Everyone knows it. But not a word has been spoken about Hayden Hurst. Tyler Higby has six less points than Hayden Hurst this season. Six. Hayden Hurst How has many, been Michael? just as bad. Six. Six? Hayden Hurst has been just as bad, but just because he had a couple semi-decent performances, there's this illusion in people's minds that he's a trustworthy starter, and guess what? He is absolutely not. Since his bye week, he's gone zero catches, four catches, one catch, one catch. Three of four games under 10 yards, and people are still saying, start Hayden Hurst this week. If you start Hayden Hurst, I don't know what to tell you. Like, that's just... I don't want to be mean, but you're an idiot. <laughs> don't start Hayden Hurst. I prefer Tyler Higby this week, if I'm being honest. Like, just don't start Hayden Hurst. I just really had to put that out there. And don't trust any of the running backs either, for crying out loud. Um, 
Thanks for doing Did that. No, we didn't mention the Bucks pass catchers at all. Actually, uh, let's let's yeah, go back Tim, to the uh, Bucks for a second. Um, up that one. I was I've, very confused when you said Calvin Ridley's name. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've been on a roll, um, so I had to roll. fuck up eventually. Um, let's let's talk about it. I, you guys are not the biggest Tom Brady fans. Jason says that he could have a good game. Michael has him down at QB 14. So if you're expecting him to to hold up a tight end one and three wide receivers that you're playing to be t- wide receiver twos or better, it's probably a long shot. So who are you playing in this matchup, considering? Here's the thing, Tim. Gronk is a tight end. So he can be a wide receiver five and still end as a tight end one at the end of the day. So when it comes to tight ends, you want to start Gronk because even in games where only has one catch, it's a touchdown. You you want to start Gronk at this point unless and you And he have- would have had like a 25-plus yard catch if Tom Brady didn't just completely miss him. That's also correct. The wide receivers I'm a lot more weary of. Mike Evans has to be at the top of the list because he has 11 touchdowns this season and always carries that touchdown upside. But as I say the word upside, you realize that upside's not super relevant for Mike Evans these days. He hasn't passed. It's a high number, but he hasn't passed 19 points since week four. Like with Mike Evans, you expect some blow up games. Doesn't hasn't really been coming. He's been more of a safe option. So he's he's my safest option, my preferred uh, player on the f- of the Bucks wide receivers. But the upside is capped right now, especially with Godwin and Antonio Brown running around as well. I do prefer Godwin, who plays the plays the uh, the safety outlet type guy for Tom Brady most of the time as well. Um, and had a three straight top 24 performances before the big time dud against Minnesota. I'm buying into Godwin again this week. Uh, I think it's a good matchup for him against Atlanta. Um, and Antonio Brown played less than 50% of the snaps last week. 48% of snaps for Antonio Brown. I was expecting him to come out of the bye week and have a big game. And guess what? Sure, he had five tar- five targets and five catches for 40, 49 yards. But how could you possibly trust a guy who's seeing less than 50% of snaps, even in a big matchup, as anything more than a very low floor wide receiver three flex play? Have him at wide receiver 38 right now. I, for me, it's Godwin Evans, um, Godwin Evans, uh, AB in the pecking order with, with Gronk. A must start, I agree, for the tight end position with the way that's going because he does have a knack for the end zone at the very least. I like Chris Godwin in this one. I think that Godwin has the best matchup. Godwin has the best ability to to break out here. I also think that Godwin, if he would have connected with that on that long pass last week where he was just completely wide open, we'd be having a different whole conversation about Godwin. Um, I agree. So, yeah, I think that Godwin is my favorite of the wide receivers this week. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? No. Uh, let's go to the next game, the 49ers at the Cowboys. Brandon Ayuk. Wide receiver one this week. Fight me. I uke, uke, uke. I have him as my wide receiver 11, Tim. I will not be fighting you. Bet me. Sounds like wide receiver sound. 10. What? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say it may sound crazy, but holy moly, is Brandon Ayuk just a ridiculous player? Like, this is absurd. There were some question marks about Ayuk heading into the, uh, into the year because he was a, ju- a Juco player, which means junior college. And then he only had one real good game against, uh, I mean, as Arizona at Arizona State, like in a Division One 
uh, college. He only had one good season, so there were some question marks surrounding him. Those question marks have really been put to rest. Jeez Louise, he has been an absolute dominant force for the uh, 49ers over these past several games. In his last four healthy games, eight for 91 in a touchdown, seven for 75 in a touchdown, five for 95 in a touchdown, 10 for 119, three of those four games, double-digit targets. The one he didn't see double-digit targets, nine targets. He gets the Dallas Cowboys. It is going to be very, very difficult for anyone to convince me that Brandon Ayuk does not deserve a spot in the top 12 wide receivers this week. With all that being said, watch him absolutely bust. There's no way. He's finally being granted the no, love. Nah, there's no way. Do you know that's <laughs> what I love about Brandon Ayuk the most is that he's in a Kyle Shanahan offense that gets him the ball even if he's not open. Even if they put two guys on him, they get him the ball before the two guys they have on him have an opportunity to get to him. Like they he they put him in space and they just make it happen. And Debo's out. Uh, George Kittle might return. I think George Kittle might open up the field for him. He's not going to return this week, but maybe next week. He's designated to return from the IR. Um, by the way, if you still have George, if George Kittle's still on your on your waivers, you should try and pick him up as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, I, I Brandon Ayuk, I love him. The running back situation is a little more murky because Jeffrey. Yeah, Jeffrey Wilson is probably a must start. Even I mean, Mostert's probably not going to play. All points, all signs are pointing to not playing. If he even does play, he'll be limited, which probably means Jeff Wilson, who was already a pretty good like flex start, if Mostert plays, will be better. Jeff Wilson is a must start, must must start high end running back too. If Mostert doesn't play, real quick, I know Jason wants to talk about Jeffrey Wilson because he's like his number one fan. So Jeffrey Wilson played one less snap than Raheem Mostert last week. They combined. For ninety-seven percent of snaps, so I'm just putting that out there. Go ahead, Jay. Meaning, Shanahan doesn't trust the other guys right now. It became Correct. the Wilson. Cho Wilson has been a flex play the last two weeks, and he is a touchdown magnet. In every game this season, besides one where he's had more than ten touches, he scored a touchdown in three or four games. In his career, when he's played, he scored touchdowns. He just finds the end zone, and it's a Kyle Shanahan offense where running backs score points. That's just what they do. And if Raheem Mostert is out, Jeffrey Wilson is not just going to get the four, 12 looks he had last week, but probably closer to 20 looks. And I want 20 looks on a Shanahan offense against Dallas. He's as strong as Tim said, strong RB2 this week. I'm just waiting for them to say Mostert is out. And then I have a feeling on Sunday we're going to be telling a lot of people to start Jeffrey Wilson, and I'm going to be confident about it. Yeah, same. Especially against this defense. Uh Jordan Reed, what how what what's your temperature like on him? He's kind of just fell into the middle range of tight ends. You got the right temperature, Jordan Reed on the bench. That's how I feel about <laughs> Jordan Reed. Leave him on the bench, man. Leave him on the bench. I'm sorry, Jason. I don't want to trust Jordan Reed this week. I know it's Dallas. It's a decent matchup. But guess what? His good games, quote unquote, still have almost zero upside at this point. Like, what's he going to do at best? Get you nine points or something? I'd rather take an upside shot on someone like Jordan Akins, Tyler Higby against the Jets, Cole Komet, even Jared Cook. I'm sorry. I'm just not a, I'm not a Jordan Reed guy, Jay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and, 
like yell, you need to start Jordan Reed. I do think he's still in streaming range because he um he's been a decent option these last few weeks. He's been a top ten tight end two of the last five weeks, two of the last four weeks. Sorry, fifty percent right there. And Dallas isn't a tough matchup, so you could do worse. Let's go to the other side. Dallas uh, had a good game last week against Cincinnati. It was Cincinnati. Uh, the 49ers defense have, has not been nearly as um, nearly as scary as it used to be, but it has gotten better since the return of um, Richard Sherman. So the question is, you know, you're starting Amari Cooper in this matchup, I feel like, even though Richard Sherman will probably be on him. Richard Sherman's not known to follow him around. They've been moving him around the formation. Um, I think you can maybe take a chance on C.D. Lamb, possibly. Um, Zeke. Nope. Zeke, nah. you're you're starting. Oh, um, um, it's hard to Zeke it's hard to have confidence. Huh? Zeke hasn't practiced this week. Zeke hasn't practiced this week. It might be time, Tim. It might be Pollard week. It might be Pollard time. I've been holding him on my team this whole time so he could be ready to go one we week after I got eliminated. We just made a bet on what Wednesday or Monday or something yes. that he'd start a game. <laughs> yes, no, no, that he'd start. The bet was he would start week sixteen. No, by week sixteen. No, no, it was week 16, Tim. Fine. Either way, I'm winning that bet 100%. Yeah, yeah. This week. So it's definitely something to note. Either way, I don't love the matchup. Let's say Zeke does play off a week where he hasn't really practiced against a decent San Francisco defense. I have him at running back 27 right now. And to be honest, I would feel more confident if he just sits and Pollard is re- replaces him. I'd rather just trust Pollard as a workhorse back this week. I agree. Um, but to the to the point of C.D. Lamb, because Tim said, maybe you trust C.D. Lamb. Maybe you shut your mouth. Because, <laughs> no, you should not. The only lamb discussion would be the delicious lamb L- I ate lamb last night. Rice. <laughs> the delicious lamb I White ate sauce, last night. White sauce, hot sauce. It was Look. delicious looking. I didn't have it. I was jealous. With Andy Dalton, a QB, and ever since Dak went down, obviously C.D. Lamb has not been... The CD Lamb that we hoped for, and over the last three weeks, it has really been rough. Five for 21, six for 46, two for 46. The worst part, he played 51% of snaps last week. This is a team that has Gallup and Amari Cooper lining up on the outsides and Lamb mixing in, and that is not something I want to be a part of at all. I'm not interested at all in a wide receiver playing half of his snaps and playing it with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So no thank you on CD Lamb, but I'm 100% in on Amari Cooper. I think he has a a very good shot to uh, have a big game here against San Fran, who plays a lot of plays a lot of zone defense. So he likely won't see a lot of just straight up Richard Sherman on him or uh, Jason Verrett. They if he's able to get in between zones and such, he has a knack for the end zone as well. I think Amari Cooper is a very strong wide receiver to play, and the only receiver that I'd want to trust of the bunch. Dalton Schultz, I definitely lost that bet on Dalton Schultz last week, motherfuckers. Um, how do you feel about him? Never start Dalton Schultz, man. Someone I saw someone on Twitter tell someone to start Dalton Schultz over Rob Gronkowski too. Like, oh, what is it with Rob Gronkowski? If people don't want to start him. Uh, maybe they are Dalton Schultz. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for three catches and twenty nine yards. All right, shut your face. Oh, three catches and twenty nine yards, please, Dalton. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Definitely not Dalton Schultz. So yeah, I feel like we just have to mention Michael Gallup. Don't play him, but he's yeah. earned the right to be named. 
And and Andy Dalton. Don't play Andy Dalton. All right, let's get on to our next matchup. The Battle of the Bids. The Eagles and the Cardinals. So before we get into the Cardinals and the Bids, Jason, you have an update, a breaking news update? Yeah, I mean, I just told you guys while it was off because I figured people will know by the time they hear this. But um, Keenan Allen gave a thumbs up in pregame warmups to show that he's going to play and was also apparently referencing Mike Williams. So it seems like they're both going to play. Um, I could give my advice. I think you should start Keenan Allen. Don't start Mike Williams. Herbert is a risky QB1. Um, but you probably the game's probably over by the time you're listening to this. Better no, definitely no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's the case. Um, but I, I think the better. I think you feel better about Justin Herbert. That's for sure. Definitely feel better about Justin definitely. Herbert. Yeah. Um, let's go on to the Eagles and the Cardinals. <sighs> brand new Eagles, man. The brand new Eagles. Eagles. Jalen Hurts is the big story of this game. Um, who would have thought that the Cardinals would be playing in a game and Kyler Murray would be the would be the quarterback most likely to run for the least yards of the two quarterbacks in the game. Um, Jalen Hurts on the other side, over 100 yards on 18 carries last week. Jason, how are you feeling about Jalen Hurts and how you been feeling about this offense? Alshon Jeffrey catching a touchdown last week. Miles Sanders breaking it loose last week. How are you feeling about this offense who kind of had a resurgence under Hurts? Um, Is this a sustainable thing that we can expect to see again this week against the Cardinals defense? Guys, Get a load of this. Seems like a low number, but it's true. In the last six years, Jalen Hurts is only the second quarterback, along with Lamar Jackson, to rush the ball 16 times in a game. That's it. 16 rushes, only those two players. And it was in his first game ever. Jalen Hurts' legs aren't going anywhere. I think he's going to run. He's going to run a decent amount. And I don't hate it. Arizona has been reeling. They have not been looking good. They've been losing games. I just don't trust them to be a good team. I think Cliff Kingsbury is overrated. And I think that Jalen Hurts, he can have a decent game against them. Anytime a running back is rushing for 100 yards, you have to take notice. And that's what he has to do. Uh, that's what you have to do, take notice. Quarterback. And, yes. And what I – honestly, I don't love the pass catchers in this offense. I love that Miles Sanders played 85% of the snaps. If you told us last week – that Miles Sanders was going to play 80% of the snaps with Jalen Hurts, we would have told you to start Miles Sanders. The concern was never his skill. With everything that happened, the New Orleans great rush defense, all of that, the concern was that he was facing all of that while getting 50% of the touches or less. If you said he was going to get 80% of the snaps, we would have told you to play him. So now that you have Miles Sanders and he's playing 80% of the time, you should probably start him. Yeah, I concur. And do not even come close to starting an Eagles wide receiver. I will log into your account. I will hack hack your account and take the Eagles wide receiver out of your lineup if you try to start an Eagles wide receiver. What about our Eagles tight end? We got Zach Ertz, who has been basically, he's done I'll do the same thing if you try to start Zach Ertz. Man, oh man, does he wish he signed the extension last offseason. That's why he was so mad about it. There's a reason why the the Eagles didn't want to grant him an extension. Look at that. Right, exactly. They, look how bad that contract would look now. Jeez Louise. But, yeah, regarding uh, Ertz, you can't play him. Greg Ward, I wanted to say, was the only receiver who played over 70% of snaps last week. Total yuck. Yeah, total yuckers. And Dallas Goddard, six targets, the only player to receive over five targets. I still think he's a low-end tight end one because he still plays nearly every snap and still has the uh, – 
the biggest target share in that offense. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, Michael. Let's go over to the other side. Um, Kyler Murray has been off. Like he hasn't been killing, Kyler. He hasn't been killing your team by any, any stretch of the imagination, but he's putting up consistently 10 points per game less than he did before. He did get his run on last week again. He kind of got his running feet back under him. Um, he looked good throwing the ball. Is Kyler Murray starting to break out of this uh, injury slump? Yeah, uh, it was glorious to see him run a lot last week. Um, it seemed like the first time since he got hurt against Seattle where they actually let him, like they were like, fine, go run a little bit. And I don't think it's any... I don't think it's a surprise that he had 13 rushes and he also had the most passing yards he's had in the last three weeks because that's what opens up passing lanes for Kyler Murray, using those legs, rolling out, getting downfield. And look, against the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles have a decent defense, um, but they're a better run defense than they are against the passing defense. Uh, They just played against Taysom Hill, similar skill set to Kyler Murray. And Taysom Hill ended as a QB1 despite being terrible for the first two and a half quarters. So I'm uh, I'm back on the Kyler Murray bandwagon here against Philly now that it looks like he's going to be running again because his 13 rushes were second most all year. He ran 14 times once, 13 times one other time. That's how much he ran last week against the Giants, which we clearly, which I assume clearly means that he... Uh, He's in a better spot here. He's feeling more comfortable. Also, even so, Kenyon Drake still got goal line carries. This is the best of both worlds. This is all we ever wanted in life. Darius Slay has been not good, um, making the the Lions look like geniuses, trading him away for a, a draft pick and not paying him as well. Um, Darius Slay has not been good. In fact, um, PFF has DeAndre Hopkins versus Darius Slay as the biggest advantage for a wide receiver of the week. And I, I believe that. I think this is the first time DeAndre Hopkins is not going up against a very talented cornerback in a while. I expect a breakout game from him. Like a break back out. Like, hey, hey, hey hi, guys. It's me, DeAndre. <laughs> uh, I mean, last week, nine for 136. Pretty damn good, my guy. Yes, but I mean, like, it's, you know, that's good. It's 15, it's 15 and a half, like half PPR points is, is good. But I'm talking DeAndre. Yeah, he's he's DeAndre Hopkins. I think he has a DeAndre game. Because I need to take this moment to call Christian Kirk to do because that's what he is and will always be. DeAndre Hopkins is basically the only person Kyler Murray can throw to right now. And I think he's going to have a DeAndre game just because Tim wants me to say that. DeAndre. Michael, Uh, you can't really trust anyone else in that passing offense, even Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold's been catching some touchdowns. Three touchdowns in the last two games. I think there's something to be said about that. Season high in targets is four. You know what else about Dan Arnold? He played less snaps than Max Williams and Seth DeValve. I mean, DeValve. Dan Arnold is clearly the receiving tight end of the bunch, though. Like, he's in in, in the red zone. He's in. um, He's in an obvious passing downs. Um, I think that he's the obvious tight end to go to. I don't think think he's the worst play. Three touchdowns in the last two weeks. As you said, there's no one really except DeAndre Johnson. DeAndre Hopkins. And in the red zone, particularly, they're going to double Hopkins. So you're going to look for somebody. Kyler is scrambling around back there. Kind of how Dan Arnold got two red zone targets last week because of Kyler's scrambles. 
I think there's worse plays in the world than Dan Arnold, especially with the tight end landscape. But, you know, I'm not sitting here. I'm not, that's enough time on Dan Arnold. I'm not, I'm not telling you to go play him or anything like that. Let's go to the, the, the running backs. Um, Kenyon Drake has been reliable, man. He's been he's been a good player. I think you rely on him again this week. Yeah, even with Kyler Murray's legs picking it up last week, it was still Kenyon Drake doing the goal line work. And the dude saw 23 rushes last week and a target. After seeing five, four, and three targets the three weeks prior, it was a little upsetting to see only one target there. But Chase Edmonds has not practiced this week. <laughs> Chase Edmonds does not play. Kenyon Drake is going to be moved into my top eight running backs. I already have him at RB13. Um, it seems I'm always above consensus on Kenyon Drake, which I'm fine with because he continues to produce whether you think it's ugly or you think Chase Edmonds is better or whatever you want to do in your mind. The facts are the facts. Kenyon Drake has been very reliable um, basically all season. He hasn't been that stud top five RB every game like you drafted him to be. Doesn't mean he's not doesn't mean he hasn't been a very reliable asset. It's, it's hard um, to it's hard to watch that stank off. When 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 the stank of first round bust is on you, it's very hard to watch that stank off, even if you're a, a really solid RB two for the whole season. Yeah, but he's been tough. as consistent as anyone, honestly. I mean he's been good. He's been good, but it's like still stanky. Yeah, but I'm I'm firing up Kenyon Drake. If Edmonds plays, if he doesn't, you uh you gotta be very happy about it. Uh, Jason, anything to add on that? No, I like me some Drake this week. All right. Uh, anyone else you guys want to talk about in the Eagles Cardinals game? Andy Isabella. Nope. The next game on the docket is a game that is going to be a slobber knocker. When I say slobber knocker, I mean the Rams are going to slobber all over the Jets and then knock them around. Uh, the, the Jets have to go all the way to Los Angeles to get a beat down this week. Um, I don't see any good things happening for the Jets. Uh, the poor interior defensive offensive line is going to have to take on Aaron Donald. It's it's just not outclass. Um, the only good offensive line that, been that the Jets have, the rookie uh, left tackle Makai Becton, will be nowhere near Aaron Donald. Um, the Jalen Ramsey is going to be all over the field. <sighs> I I just don't see a situation where I could start a Jet at all, any Jet whatsoever. On the other side, for the Rams, I'm probably comfortable starting Goff, Cup, Woods, and and Acres in this game. I would even venture a shot at Higby if I really had to. If I like really really needed to, I think Higby is worth a little a little shot. Um, so that's where I'm feeling. I'm yes yes Rams, no Jets. How are you feeling, Michael? Yeah, Jared Goff is in a smash spot here against the Jets, but the problem with that is. As we've seen, like against New England last week, if they take a lead and the running game is working, Jared Goff is going to take a backseat because that is what they want. They want to just run the ball well. And he has had multiple games this year where he has not had a good fantasy day because of that. So that is a little bit concerning against the Jets here. But we are also talking about a defensive team that is absolutely atrocious against the pass and is still at least decent against the run. They give up chunks and touchdown after touchdown to opposing quarterbacks. Like Russell Wilson played two and a half quarters last week against the Jets and ended as a top eight quarterback. So I do think Jared Goff is certainly in the streaming conversation here, even if there is a little bit of a concern of 
maybe they do what they did against New England last week and Jared Goff ends up not having such a big game. Uh, yeah, that's fucking stuck. <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, they People do. don't talk enough about the fact that like they're gonna go under uh, winless. Like that doesn't happen. It's happened don't twice. Go it's happened twice. Doesn't happen. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> happens three times. And start Cam Akers. Like again, I know the Jets have been like semi decent against the running backs, but this guy's an absolute workhorse now. Yeah, twenty nine. Like. Yeah, 29 rushes. 29 rushes. 29 rushes. 50 rushes over the last two weeks. Yeah. With four targets to boot. Malcolm Brown didn't play, didn't get a single touch last week. Daryl Henderson is taking a obvious backseat to Cam Akers. This is his backfield. Fire him up, period. And then with Woods and Woods and Cup, you said like play them, but I do I I agree. I do think there's some New England. Uh, potential here where they let you down, though. Although this is the best matchup you could likely find at the moment because the Seahawks and Falcons have turned it around against the past. The Jets certainly have not. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's it for this game. You guys want to talk more about this game? or The only other thing to it. note about the Jets, I think, maybe, possibly, is Brashad Perriman playing 100% of the snaps. But are you going to trust Rashad Perriman against the Rams secondary, which has been the best secondary in the league in terms of fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers? No, you're not. Yeah. No. No. Just to be, just simply put, you're definitely not. Um, So are we really done with this game? We we just, it's four minutes. Well, we're not talking about any Jets. It's week 15. The time is over where we discuss Jets players. Yeah, that's what happens when you talk to the Jets. I'm actually starting uh, Brashad Perriman in one of my uh, in one in one of my leagues that I'm still in. It's a uh, it's a dynasty league though, so hopefully that uh, that that's fine for me. All right, let's get on to the next one because this game is the exact opposite of the game that we just talked about, and that is the Chiefs at the Saints. Um, Michael and Jason. So this game for me, you can look at numbers. You could look at, oh, this team does this, has this tendency, and this team has this tendency. But when you get a matchup like this, and this could be a preview of the Super Bowl, the Chiefs at the Saints. When you get a matchup like this, both teams tend to just play at a higher level. So, yeah, the Saints running defense does look like a pretty good matchup against CEH. But does that mean CEH won't perform? I think not necessarily. And, yes... Taysom Hill doesn't look like the greatest of matchups against the Chiefs, but can Taysom Hill step it up? Or Alvin Kamara doesn't look like the best matchup as well, but can Kamara step it up? I think he does. I think that the stars are going to come to play in this one. I think it's a play-your-stars type game. So let's start on the Saints side. How are you feeling with Taysom Hill? Um, After having kind of his first uh, 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 game last week, how are you feeling with him against the Chiefs? Even as an eh, eh, eh player, 38 attempts is not ideal for Taysom Hill. He was still the 11th quarterback. His floor is QB1, man. That's it. His floor is QB12. He's going to be a QB1, even if they go down against KC. Because you know what happens when you go down? You throw 40 times. You scramble while you're throwing. I don't think this is going to be a game where, like, the only way this goes south is if it becomes 28-zip and... Jameis Winston comes in for Taysom Hill. But I think the Saints defense is pretty good where it won't be 28 zip until a long time if they do struggle to score. 
And Taysom Hill has a high enough floor to trust him. I have him as my QB9. Yeah, maybe I'm bugging out here, but I'm on the same wavelength of Tim where we have two teams that are at the top of their conference who are likely to make playoff runs and are likely going into this game very fired up. Um, And Taysom Hill, he just lost to the Eagles after the Eagles looked like one of the worst, possibly the worst team in the league outside the Jets weeks prior. I'm sure he's not liking that. I have Taysom Hill as my QB6 this week. Mm. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, Taysom Hill ended with 20 fantasy points last week despite a as-the-starter low of only 33 rushing yards on five rush attempts. I think that's going to go back up. The first time he's starting where he didn't rush at least 10 times. I'm all about Taysom Hill this week. I know it's a tough matchup for wide receivers, um, but I think Taysom Hill uses his legs a bunch, uses Alvin Kamara, who got seven receptions last week, and he was finally more involved in the passing game. Jared Cook has found the end zone now for a couple weeks in a row. I like Taysom Hill this week. Jared Cook Wanted. also, I think, is, is is a good person to point out, too, because Jared Cook, not only has he found the end zone two weeks in a row, he's been targeted in the end zone every single week Taysom Hill started. So I think that's something to very very much note. I think that the that Jared Cook is becoming one of those tight ends that you could just throw in there and, and, and trust at this point. Um, Jason, how do you... Cook to catch a touchdown from Taysom Hill. I mean, but that's what you're looking for everything with the tight ends. He also babied his defender on the touchdown. Babied him, mossed him, like right off the top of his head. Michael Thomas hasn't practiced this week. I okay, that's 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 fine. I'm gonna be more worried if he doesn't if he doesn't practice Friday. I'm I'm nervous about it. But this could be just like par for the course for him because Sean Payton's doesn't want to doesn't want to put his season in jeopardy. Yeah, but I definitely I, think he's still a wide receiver 2-3 regardless. Like Michael said, the Chiefs are good against wide receivers. Michael's been saying it for years. That's who they're best against, defending wide receivers. Michael Thomas has been a wide receiver 2 at best this season. I think he's more of a wide receiver 3 than anything this week. It's a tough I, match. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think mm-hmm. he has wide receiver 2 appeal. I do think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but I, I see where you're coming from. and that, that That's who he's been this season, and... It's it's such a strange, just so strange. We after Michael Thomas's year last year, the fact that he doesn't even have a touchdown yet this season is just, geez, Louise. Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith have taken turns be, turns being fantasy viable in an offense led by Taysom Hill. Um, are you taking a chance on either of these guys? I do have a little sneaky feeling, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna gamble a playoff matchup on it, but I have a sneaky feeling that. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy who comes up big in big games. So I feel like Emmanuel Sanders has a chance to make a play or two in this game. I don't want to trust Emmanuel Sanders. No, you're man. not you're not playing him, but if it's a desperation like you're in a you have to play you have to play him, I'm not not excited about it. In fact, I will I'll bet you guys here that uh Emmanuel Sanders finishes as a top 40 wide receiver this week. I'll take that bet. <sighs> I mean, I kind, I'm kind of feeling it. Like, I, I kind of get why Sanders could be a sneaky good play. I just don't know if I could trust him in my lineup. I don't want to make that bet. Okay, I'll so take Ma- it though. Too. So Michael, I'll bet you with that one. All right, so 
so that's how I'm feeling about the the outside wide receivers. Uh, Michael obviously doesn't doesn't think he's playable if he's not going to finish inside the top forty. Jason, you shared your thoughts. Traquan Smith sh- thoughts at all? No, well, he did. Catch I don't want to trust anyone. He ca- he caught a touchdown last week. Just to say. Well, that. Tim, also this Emmanuel Sanders bet. This is if Michael Thomas plays. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, um, let's go over to the Chiefs side then, because now we're talking about a Saints defense that has been absolutely ridiculously on fire. Um, particularly against the running backs. So how are you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling against, uh, about uh, CEH here? I just want to say, hell yeah. 46 snaps last week. Le'Veon Bell played 11. Darrell Williams played five. Get this to do out of here, man. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell, get the fuck out. You're a do. Darrell Williams, get the fuck out. Let CEH play. Like, we we live in a society today where results are expected right away. We want everything at our fingertips. We want fing- uh, cliff notes for everything. And that's affecting CEH's appeal. People are ignoring the fact that he's on pace for 1,300 yards his rookie season with seven touchdowns. Like, that's a very good season. And... He's been a good player. He's just struggled to find the end zone at times. He hasn't been given the work at times. And he hasn't been super good at times. But last week, five catches, 59 yards. That was the most catch he's had in a game since week two. If the Chiefs trust Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's going to put up points. And I know the New Orleans Saints defense locks down running backs. And that's the concern. But if he's going to get five, six, seven targets from Patrick Mahomes... That's valuable. So I don't think he's completely out of the equation. I have him as a back-end RB2 because of the tough matchup on the ground. But through the air, he can make noise. I can't wait to watch this game. Uh, Travis Kelsey continues to be an absolute stud, leading the entire league in yards from the tight end position, um, in receiving yards, not just the tight end position, but in any position. He's he's leading uh, the league in yards. So... I mean, he's a smash play. I think Tyreek Hill, even though he gets Marshawn Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore has not been nearly as good this season and last season as he was his rookie season. So that's not a name to fade against. So I'm I'm gonna I'm really liking um Hill here. How do you guys feel about Sammy Watkins who is like come back and taking over his wide receiver two role right back to Goodness come gracious. On, man. Yeah, come on. Come what, on. What, are we, man. what are we gonna waste time discussing Sammy Watkins right now for? <laughs> what I should start fuck, fuck Corey Davis. Sammy Watkins has become like the poster child of true values. You have to be a giant to do to be as bad as he is with Patrick Mahomes giving him seven targets a game. Sammy Watkins is a fucking scrub. Please don't mention his name on this podcast. I mean, yeah. like, yo, usually he'll at least typically throw in another good game throughout the season. Besides the obviously Sammy Watkins is going to go in week one and then never play him again. But yo, he hasn't even had a second big game this year. <laughs> like, how are you? How do you do that every year? Your first game, you're an absolute beast, and then you just suck it up for the rest of it. It's mind-boggling to me. I could see Mahomes having a ridiculous game, um, and still only Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Ceh being fantasy viable in this game. It's interesting. It's interesting how they do that because it is. It's a funnel. It's a funnel offense. Um, yeah. So they give it to their guys. Um, is there anyone else? How how are you feeling against? Uh, about Mahomes and Hill. I, I know I'm saying play them, obviously, but any reason to doubt for any reason? I don't think so. I mean, 
Yo, Tyreek Hill's thing used to be he's boom bust. This guy is like the most consistent stud. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Fuck boom yeah. bust. He's just a beast in yeah. general. Boom beast. And no one's going to stop him. Even when he only has three catches in a game, he takes his only rush of the game for a 32-yard touchdown. Like, the guy's ridiculous. That touchdown, he had no business scoring. Yeah, he This guy really does one, one fucking stutter step and outruns four other human beings who get paid to tackle people like him. It's ridiculous. Yeah, world-class so, athletes. I'm not ever scared <laughs> about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, the guy has scored a touchdown 11 times. No, excuse me, 16 times, 11 games. It's it's absurd. All right. It's really absurd. Um. All right, so you guys ready to go on to the next game? Let's do it. Next one is the Browns. Sunday night uh, football on MSG. The Browns and the Giants are the best on TV. It's Freddie Kitchen's revenge game. He's calling plays for the Giants against the Browns because the guy has COVID. All right, I think that's the longest I should go. It's Freddie Kitchen's revenge week, baby. I'm kind of being, I'm kind of joking here. The Giants' offense isn't a good one. Yeah. Are we done now? Freddie Kitchens. One of my favorite defensive plays. It must be said. One of my favorite defensive plays this week is the Browns at the Giants. Um, I love the Browns. The Browns are a turnover factory. The Giants are turn are turn the ball over like crazy, especially now that Daniel Jones can't run as freely as he used to run. I think this is going to be a Browns dominant victory. Um if you had to ask me. Uh let's start with the Browns because one of the better uh one of the better cornerbacks in the game this week, James Bradbury was just put on the COVID list and Michael according to you he's definitely out. That's what they said, yeah. He's actually like ruled out. So he, he actually had COVID. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Or it might be too late in the week to get on the list and not be able to play, not or be able to come off. James Bradbury's out. Yes. So James, and which is a huge, huge buoy for not only Baker Mayfield but also Jarvis Landry and Hollywood Higgins. Um, I like, I like, to, I would like to play Hollywood Baker and Jarvis in this game, and I want to play the running backs. Talk me off the ledge. Yeah, look, I know PFF has its flaws, but James Bradbury is an absolute stud. Um. PFF agrees with that. He's a top three cornerback this year. Number one in coverage, Isaac Yadam and Darnay Holmes are the now outside starting corners. Two guys nowhere near Bradbury's level. They're ranked 46th and 107th on PFF. And I liked Baker Mayfield way more than consensus, it seems, um, just from the jump. <clears throat> like The first thing I did was put Baker Mayfield in my top 12 and he's expert consensus ranker right now is QB 21. I don't really get it. People are stuck on those monsoon games. Uh, prior to the monsoon game, he was the QB six since the monsoon games. He's been QB 12, four and two. The New York giants defense has been very good this season, but losing dreams. James Bradbury is not good for that defense period. And Baker Mayfield has been absolutely balling out of late. I have him like QB 11. I think he's a very solid streaming option here. I, I agree with you that Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins are strong starts as well. Uh, Higgins has really come on with Kadero Hodge being out. He really solidified his role in that offense. 
And Jarvis Landry is also uh, just continued to be a consistent producer ever since those monsoon games as well. So I, I agree with you. And I, Jarvis, I think Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins are both solid plays. Like I, I prefer Higgins in my flex rather than wide receiver three. Um, but I like I think it, I prefer Landry in my wide receiver three rather than wide receiver two as well. But I definitely do think they're very viable options. I agree with everything Michael said. I just want to say, it might not even just be the monsoon games, man. People just don't like to admit they're wrong. And people loved to shit on Baker Mayfield when he wasn't playing well. And now they just can't support him when he's playing well. Because, I don't know, people are uh, fucking anchoring bias. The first thing you think sticks with you. Mayfield's been good, and you got to take note. And I agree that his ECR is a joke right now. Um. Let's go to the running backs. Nick Chubb, I've been calling Nick Chubb the best running back in football for a while now. I believe that's the case. If you don't believe me, he is causing Kareem Hunt, someone who just signed a four-year extension with his team, uh, to not get any touches unless it's a blowout. And he is the reason why they're blowing out teams. Nick Chubb has been superb. Nick Chubb, like if I was if I was great if I was a, a a running back grader, Nick Chubb's running grade would be 100. Like this guy, he has great vision. He he can cut on the dime. He's quick. He gives you everything. He's a top six running back option every week, in my opinion. He's Derrick Henry. Yes, yes, he is. Like it doesn't matter if he's not catching passes because he's just going to dominate on the ground. This guy's averaging 5.9 yards per attempt. And teams know they're going to hand off the ball to him a lot. It doesn't matter. The dude is an absolute animal. And he gets the Giants who is it's not a scary front seven to go up against. You absolutely start Nick Chubb very happily. I agree. It's uh, That dude is just really good at football. And it's just incredible the Patriots took his backup running back one spot, one spot ahead of him in the NFL draft. <laughs> no, just hilarious. No attempts, um, no attempts to not talk about that every single time we can. Um, what about Kareem Hunt, Jason? Because he was good last week, but that's mostly because they were blowing out. They were in the middle of a blowout in the fourth quarter last week, and they just handed the ball to Kareem Hunt and gave Nick Chubb a rest. How are you feeling about Kareem Hunt? Who, by no fault of his own, he's he's you know playing well, but Nick Chubb is just demanding more touches. So how do you feel I gotta, about Hunt? I got to say, before Jason speaks, I completely disagree with everything you just said, but go ahead, Jay. <laughs> Why do you disagree? Yeah, tell me. Wait, Kareem Hunt did not come in because they were getting blown out. I mean, that's when he got most of his production last week. All right, oh, but that's what no. you disagree with. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's an odd thing to say. What are you talking You're talking about Baltimore? They weren't being blown out. I'm confused. Yeah, they, were, they were down two touchdowns, but then they came back. And Kareem Hunt has also been more involved later in games. Like, that's what they've been doing. Once they need fresh legs, they bring in Kareem Hunt late in the third, fourth quarter because it's a different animal chasing down Nick Chubb all day and then a fresh Kareem Hunt coming in and dominating. And he was super involved in the passing game. Fresh Kareem Hunt. No, I mean, the, the key thing is that he was lining up as a wide receiver. He had seven targets last week. When Kareem Hunt lines up as a wide receiver, good things happen. And there is a game script concern with the Giants. Uh, they're not the best offense. They may struggle to score. So I see where you guys are coming from, where Tim's coming from here. So I'm not ready to crown him a high-end RB2 again, but he's definitely his back-end RB2 appeal as long as he's getting 
12 looks in that Browns offense and the Kevin Stefanski offense that loves its running backs, it's something to take note of, especially when you're that skilled. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think Kareem Hunt's a low-end RB2 this week. That's how I have him ranked as well. Um, let's go over to the Giants side. Daniel Jones standing in the pocket and being a pocket passer is not the way Daniel Jones has success. Looking looking mighty Trubisky-like last week. Um, had another fumble. He kind of kicked the fumbleitis until last week he fumbled again. How are you guys feeling about the Giants' pass-catching options here? The Browns have been susceptible, but I just, I mean, I'm having trouble thinking of a way that Daniel Jones doesn't get sacked three times by Miles Garrett. <laughs> Honestly, that's not out of the question. And it's looking more and more likely that Colt McCoy is going to start again. That too, yeah. So that's the only way he'll get salvaged. The only way Daniel Jones will not get sacked three times by Miles Garrett is if he does not actually play the quarterback position. I last I read it was it was Jones, but if Colt McCoy starts, then I th- that's even worse. I don't want any running back. I don't want I mean I don't want any giant if Colt McCoy starts. That's for sure. I mean it's rough to want any giants otherwise besides Wayne Gallman, who shout out to Wayne Gallman. Facts. Even in his down week last week, in half PPR, he was still running back twenty seven, put up nine fantasy points. Not what you want in the first week of the playoffs, but there's something to be said about his consistency. Like, he's not Saquon Barkley. He's not Alvin Kamara. So if he's able to put up nine points, even in down weeks, you got to love it. He's someone you have to trust week in and week out. So I do think he's a solid RB2 again because the Cleveland rush defense isn't the best unit on earth. And if the Giants are going to win in any way, it's going to be by controlling the ball and riding Wayne Gallman. I agree. I like Wayne Gallman in this one. I, f- I think he's a running back too. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Um, he had six straight weeks in the top 16 running backs prior to last week. We're talking about a guy who's been super good. And Colt McCoy starting does scare me a little bit. Well, now that it looks like Colt McCoy is likely to start, if that changes, uh, then I do like him better with Daniel Jones at QB. But yeah. If you're if you have Wayne Gallman, I'm still treating him as a rock solid RB two. Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Uh, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. I think those guys need to be discussed because Sterling Shepard, not Shepard anymore, man. Well, yeah. He's been bad. Exactly, he's been bad for no two Shepherd. weeks in a row. This so is always to- what Sterling Shepard does. Sterling Shepard kind of always he starts off good, gets injured, comes back from injury hot, then fades away. It's like this is the this has been the career arc of Sterling Shepard. Uh, Evan Ingram, I'm I'm scared of. I know it's a good matchup against Cleveland, who has been kind to tight ends, but man, three of his last four games, he has five or less fantasy points. As soon as he was looking up, too. Yeah, and with Colt McCoy against Seattle, he ended with four for thirty-two, and then an injured Daniel Jones, two for eighteen. And now he's either going to have an injured Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy. So the tight end landscape is rough. Don't get me wrong. Evan Ingram likely has decent upside, but I also think his downside is is certainly there. I, w- I would be scared if I was starting Evan Ingram. I, I see a lot of different outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jason, anything to add here? No. All right, let's hit let's it. Let's it to Monday night, baby. Let's take it to Monday night. Mo- oh, no, why you got to do this twice? 
Because I love doing it. I love angering you. You know what, Jason? That's why. That's why I'm going <laughs> to... I just, I just want soup uh, in a meal. <laughs> um, one... Uh, it is 103. I'm going to delay this as much as I can so I can stop Michael from from eating. Michael just wants to eat. Uh, I don't want him to. So I'm going to have a conversation with Jason. Hey, Jason, how's your day been going? No, I'm just kidding. Steelers at the Bengals, Monday Night Football. Let's start the real. <laughs> what? Oh, nothing else funny. I didn't know you were actually on the podcast right now. No, no, I'm, it's real. Um, Steelers at Bengals. This whole thing is real. <laughs> Steelers at Bengals is the last game on the docket. Uh, nothing says bounce back like a game against the Bengals. Uh, the Steelers, who have made a uh, a pretty good living killing the Bengals for the last 10 years, are going to go do it again. Um, they need to bounce back from two straight losses. Uh, Deontay Johnson needs to bounce back from a really bad game. Juju Smith-Schuster has historically absolutely murdered the Bengals throughout his whole career. I love me some Juju in this, and I love and I still like Deontay Johnson. Um, Chase Claypool has kind of fallen off. Um, I don't like what's going on with hit with, with, with what's trending with him. Um, uh, Michael, maybe you have a different opinion or Jason, you could talk me off the ledge, but if I had to rank these guys this week, it's going to go Claypool, Deontay Johnson. I mean, I'm sorry. It's going to go Juju, Deontay Johnson, and then Claypool at the end. How are you guys feeling about it? I was actually going to say, this is the, sorry, Jay, but this is the first time I have, uh, Juju ranked as the top wide receiver in a while for the Steelers and one reason Juju Smith-Schuster played 100% of snaps last week and as you said has dominated the Bengals in his career 100% of snaps like I know he's getting low depth of target targets but he caught a touchdown last week it's a bad passing defense in uh, Cincinnati and dude Chase Claypool he was my bust last week and he busted big time. And Ben Roethlisberger continues to really struggle throwing downfield. James Washington played 81% of snaps. Chase Claypool played 67%. Two weeks in a row where James Washington outsnapped Claypool. Deontay played 49% of snaps after his benching. I have Deontay Johnson more in wide receiver three territory this week because, look, I know the potential is there to be a top 24 wide receiver, but I'm not going to act like I'm not a little scared about the fact that if this dude drops a pass, which he has done repeatedly, he's just going to be moved to the bench. Like, there is a real possibility he ends up dropping one of his first two passes and then doesn't see the damn field again. Yeah. There is definitely a possibility. It's, it's a that. scary possibility. Um, it's, it's so hard because, yes, that happened one time, and Mike Tomlin had to, had to like you know, make his word mean something. I get that as a teacher for my day job. I, if I give an empty threat that that does it for my entire year of being a disciplinarian, like they'll never listen to me again. If I say you're going to get detention, if you do this and then they do it and they don't get detention, it's over for me. So dude just had butterfingers though, man. Yeah. But I mean, we'll see because he had, but he's only had butterfingers of late. This hasn't been like a big time problem all season. So We'll we'll see how that goes. I I'm I not. I think it's a little, it's a little, uh, dishonest to look at Juju's career. Like, let's not forget that his first two seasons were his best two seasons. So it's a little 
like to say he's historically beat the Bengals doesn't mean that much to me. Does it? But I mean, he's this well, is like, his, but this is his fourth season, Jason. And what I'm, arguably though the the Bengals' best cornerback is Mackenzie Alexander, their slot corner. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You just said it's it's it, it's non truthful. Would you say it's dishonest? Dishonest. It's, not, it's dishonest to to hold. Jason, my bad. You're you're breaking up. You, say that again. You bros just broke up. There's no Big Ben is worse. There's no Antonio Brown on the outside. This is a different juju than we've seen over the last few years. We obviously have noted that. The last two year the last year though, it was without Big Ben. So is it dishonest to use the first two years as a measuring stick, or is it actually dishonest to use last year as a measuring stick? I think we need to look at Juju as a this year. I don't think we need to look in the past. Okay. I mean, but like T.Y. Hilton has dominated Houston his whole career. And then with Phillip Rivers continue to dominate Houston. Like some teams just play well against opposing teams. Particularly did go seven and a touchdown against Cincy earlier in the year. None of you guys use that against me. I'm arguing against myself right now. Well, that's what historically counts as, as earlier this time. year. I just <laughs> I prefer Deontay Johnson. Even though he could drop a pass and leave, he still has seven targets in a game where he only played a half. Look, and and on the note of Chase Claypool, dude, do you know how many snaps Chase Claypool played in the second half last week? Not very Four. Not, yeah. Yeah. Four. He's Four. he's losing. He's losing. They're losing interest in playing him. Right James like, Washington has been also getting some of those snaps. Claypool is arguably droppable since it's week 15. Oof. Yeah, I don't I don't completely disagree. Tough pill I do to want swallow. to say tough pill to swallow though. I do want to say one more thing about Deontay Johnson because, look, everyone's favorite thing to say is Deontay Johnson's so good. Oh, he's so good. Blah, blah, blah. Like, literally, everywhere you go, Deontay Johnson is everyone's favorite player. Yo, 113 targets on the year. Less than 700 receiving yards. Are we not going to act like that's pretty trash? Like, 6.1 yards per target is 100th in the league. So I'm a, I'm just a little I'm also a little bit on the bandwagon. Let's stop acting like Deontay Johnson is this star. But the thing but, here Michael, is that he has 113 targets. Exactly. Yeah, but six yards per target is ridiculously gross. So I'm just saying let's slow down a little bit. He's also outside the top 50 in yards per outrun. That's why Claypool's not a good option right now. It's a big Ben issue. I agree. Oh, that was a, that was a lot. That was a lot. That's our thoughts on the Houston wide receivers. I mean, on the Steelers wide receivers. Uh, let's go. Also, yeah, Eric Ebron I want to talk about too because uh, talk about a guy who has the dropsies, but he still continues to get looks. I was going to say also, a bunch of wide receiver targets are now going to Eric Ebron. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, Big Ben just continues to target Eric Ebron at a monstrosity of a pace. Ebron sucks. Yeah. The dude lead player. Another guy, he leads all tight ends in drops. Shocking, right? He looks like he has no control over his limbs. <laughs> like, he looks like a baby giraffe when he's playing. A baby giraffe. Like, just, like, all <laughs> over the place. It's like, nah, like, it's all knees and elbows and shit. Like, he has no control over being, his fingers. With that being said, I like him a little less than I do, did last week because he only saw five targets and dealt with the droppies again. But, look... If you're going to get that many targets and you're going to play a bunch of snaps, 
then yeah, you're still in the tight end one conversation. And I think Ebron at this point is obviously in the tight end one conversation. Um, anyone? Uh, James Connor is is not in the RB one conversation. Um, I have trouble starting James Connor in this game. Yeah, I don't blame you for that. I mean, he hasn't been very good. The upside here is injured. the matchup. He's injured. Yeah, he's injured. Yeah, the only upside here is the matchup. If if the Steelers were playing the Ravens, probably wouldn't be discussing James Conner as an RB2 option. Last time out, he had 10 rushes for 18 yards. Well, they kind of just given up on the run game. Like, the Steelers don't really run the ball these days. And it's affecting yeah. James Conner. Even, like, even if he's on the field most of the time, he's not really getting looks. And there's a chance he has a good game. It is Cincinnati. So, like, there's that risk you're taking. I do have him as I have him as running back 24 right now. Like, he's going to be a better option than some people. I still prefer him to Zeke, for example, if Zeke suits up. But it's risky for sure. I, I, I don't. I can't prefer him over Zeke. I don't know what's making you think that you, should, you could play him over Zeke. Yeah, I prefer Zeke if he suits up. I got James Conner in flex territory at this point. That that whole offense is really, really gross, especially the running game. And now James Conner, guess what, folks? He hasn't practiced yet either with a quad injury. I'm not going to trust Benny Snell if Benny Snell is a starter. It's just, it just looks like staying away from the Pittsburgh backfield is the right thing to do at this point. Yeah, I'm not I don't want anything to do with the Pittsburgh backfield. Nothing. Let's go to another backfield I want nothing to do with. The Bengals on the other side. Gio's been fucking horrible and they've been handing the ball to Samaji Piran over and over again. He's been getting the goal line touches too. Can't start Piran um against the Steelers. You can't trust Gio, so I don't want anything to do with that. The only person Trevion really- Williams got a bunch right. of work. Trevion Williams as well, you can't start him either. And I mean, the only person I think I have a, an interest in is T. Higgins uh, because... No. Yeah, I don't even have an interest in him. I, man, is it? we've come to the point, I don't want any Bengals. We've seen this happen a lot. This is one of those, who's Brandon Allen going to throw to? They're going to need to put up some points. So that was the deal with like DJ Chark last week. At some point, you just have to realize trusting a receiver on a terrible offense, maybe it will end up working out, like how Tyler Boyd caught a 72-yard catch for a touchdown, like a catch-and-run 70-yard touchdown. Maybe something like that happens again. Odds are these guys see a bunch of targets, and they don't really turn into much because Brandon Allen is not a good quarterback, and the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense is just way better than the Bengals' offense is. And this is a Steelers' defense coming off of back-to-back losses. Like, I do not think the Steelers are going to come in taking this game lightly after back-to-back losses starting the season 11-0 and and now looking like their their team is nowhere near what people thought it was. So, yeah, I, I'm i also on the bandwagon here, similar to the Jets. Just don't start your Bengals. Jason? Like, I mean, Boyd and Higgins are the only ones I'd consider okay for the flex, but even then, I just I would rather not do it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I agree. You're not going to find me arguing for Boyd or Higgins. Brandon Allen is the do, and he's it's a sinking ship right now. The Bengals are the Titanic. There's no end in sight. Jason, yeah, there is called Week 17. Jason, look at you. 
just like <laughs> coming out with the poeticness. It's being poetic. similes, baby. Similes, oh, metaphors, poetry, personification, alliteration. Rob Hertz. Any, there Go you guys don't know. Uh, shout out to Northern Liberty, Iowa. That is the place yeah. that listens to us the most the last seven days. Also, shout out Columbus, Ohio, Denver, Colorado, Ludlow, Massachusetts, and San Francisco, California. And also, shout out Etobicoke, Canada, and Brisbane, Australia. You guys are also in that top 10 of the cities uh, with Los Angeles, Houston, and Kansas City as well, followed by Queens, hometown, and Brooklyn, uh, and Buffalo. So, shout out to those to those cities. Um if you want to get shout out, if you want your city to get shouted out, listen to us in your city and you could have more plays there. Um, with that being said, don't forget, please don't forget to come check us out at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter and during the live stream on Sunday morning from 1130 to 1230. Michael, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Jason? At Brodo FF Jason. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. And you can find all of us at Brodo Fantasy. That is where the live stream is going to be for all of the sleepers, busts, articles, the uh, the stock rising, stock falling articles, uh, and the true throw values, true target values, and everything you need, our rankings, everything you need for this coming week is on BrotoFantasy.com. And if you want to support and get a ton of extras, including the Patreon, Patreon.com. I'm sorry, the Discord. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. With that being said... That is all for us. Um, Michael, go have your soup. You you deserve it. Later. Thanks, Tim. Have I your soup it. and eat it too, baby. <laughs> Later. Later.